0: The question many of us ask is, does what I do even matter? It's a question of the ultimate significance of what we do with the majority of our lives. You might be a butcher or a carpenter, a parent, unemployed or studying full time, a CEO or a shift worker in the health sector. As Dorothy Sayers once said, often the church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is confined to encouraging him not to be drunk and disorderly during the week and to come to church on Sundays. What we should be telling him is this, that the very first demand upon him is that he should make good tables. Don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ.
1: Well, good day, New Life family. What a joy it is to uh, get to open up the Word of God with you again this afternoon. And um, just to state the obvious, what a great joy it is actually to meet in person as well. Are you enjoying that? Yeah, you know, that whole world has sort of been shut down, but uh, God's bigger than that. And uh, we're going to press into something this afternoon around what it truly means to uh, bless this city. And a little bit of a spoiler alert, you know, um, last year I turned 60 years of age, uh, and don't hold that against me, uh, so I truly am a bit of a senior, you might, you might say. But one of the things that um, God has been teaching me about is what it really means to bless the city. And I've been working on this stuff for about 20 years now, and I'm still not there yet. And I want you to know that because this is a pretty powerful word that sits pretty hard on my heart, because I believe that... God really longs for this city of ours. He longs for your, your family, your home, the very neighbourhood that you hang out in right now, that we might see true transformation across this earth. Do you hear that? Like, this is really what God's heart, the longing of the Father, is for us. I want to take you back a few years ago um, on the streets of Perth. And I was um, involved in a youth work program there called uh, Trinity Youth Options which I was the the director of the program. And we're working with homeless kids on the streets of Perth. And I remember this day vividly because coming, kicking and screaming was this father dragging a child. And his words to me as he dragged this kid in front of me was, you take this piece of crap because unless you take him, I'm about to kill him. And with that, he left the scene. This was his 11-year-old son. A few months later, part of the work we did was we were involved in therapeutic programs working with young people and families, trying to bring restoration, trying to bring healing, trying to bring wholeness. And I remember this day really well. We were standing on the cliffs of Willy Aparup, which is a place down in Margaret River. And Margaret River is one of those gems of the Australian landscape, let me me tell you. The power of the Indian Ocean rolling in. On this coastline, and we were actually um, we had ropes that were hanging off there, and we were rappelling down on the cliffs of Willie several hundreds of meters down there. So much so you had to join a few ropes together to get down there. And I remember this day really well because a different young person that we'd been working with was hanging off the rope, and I was belaying it. And halfway down that that descent, hanging over the Indian Ocean, as it as it smashed below us, this young person found a ledge and proceeded to take his harness off. And he said, you guys can all get, and I'll let you fill in the next bit, I've had enough. You can just get, I've had enough. There's a good part about the story, which I may or may not get back to, but the bit I want you to capture a phone just for a moment is, you may not have had a similar experience yourself. You may ne- never have found yourself, but you may, wishing that your life would end. But I'm sure we've all got a script inside of us that goes something like this. It was not supposed to be like this. It was not supposed to be like this. This is not what I signed up for. Maybe you're even a Christian. And the deal that you thought you're signing up for, the narrative as it sort of unfolds before you, you've still got this script going, it's not supposed to be like this. I think this is a really powerful framing that we're going to be thinking through this afternoon about what it really means to bless the city because the word that we're about to read together... Two words, actually one reading from Isaiah, it was on the screen before, God says, see I am doing a new thing. And the other reading, which is going to come from Jeremiah chapter 29, we're going to read words around that as as we bless the city, as the city prospers, if you like, or as the city is blessed, we will flourish also, we'll be blessed also. And I want to suggest to you: this is a bit of a, a rewiring. This is not the way we normally think, is it? That 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 when someone else is blessed, we'll be blessed also. This is not normally how we go about thinking about our work. And as we've already shared, the last few weeks we've been unpacking the framework of what work is, and we've titled it around rework. And what we've we've been thinking in the space around is purpose. Where do I draw my purpose, my identity from? And at the end of the day, what we've said about that is it needs to come from, from who we've created in Christ. That's where we draw our identity from. We've been sold the lie that we think it's the stuff that we do or accumulate that actually will give us purpose. But that's a lie. A good friend of mine who's an undertaker, and I've taken many a funeral, used to rattle onto me saying, hey Bruce, you don't see any hearses with tow bars on the back, do you? You know, we can, we we bring nothing in this world, as the scripture says, and we can take nothing out of it. So, if we draw our purpose on stuff that we accumulate, then we've just been sold a lie. You'll be grossly disappointed. And I've bought into that lie over the years at times. I'm 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 happy to confess that, and I even still find that attention that I sit in today. It's nice to have stuff, isn't it? I like good stuff. But it's not where we need to draw our identity and purpose from. We will only be grossly disappointed. So I want to raise for you some really big questions that I hope you're wrestling with. What does it actually mean? What does God mean when he wants us to bless the city? It's a big question. What does it mean to actually pray for God's shalom, God's peace upon those around us, upon this city? What, You know, what does that actually mean? And... If we take that a bit further, what does God desire that would be transformed as we would pray for peace upon the city? Transformed by the presence of God is what we're talking about. So we've talked about purpose, we've talked about holy ambition, it was another week. And last week, Alex powerfully shared with us a word about the rhythm of taking time out to rest. And today we're going to speak about what it means to bless. So let's pray, because I think God's got a real appointment here that we really need to get into as we unpack that together. Father God, I just pray right now that it would be more of you, Jesus, and less of me, and Holy Spirit, I I, I pray that you would come and you would be the teacher here this afternoon. Open our hearts, our, our eyes, our ears, that we might know you more. And what plans you have for us, Jesus. That's our heart's desire. Just speak to us now. We ask this in your name. Amen. I want to pose to you a question, new life. I want you to reframe something and i am pose to you a question and it goes like this. What's outside your window? Take a good look outside your window, and what do you see? What do you really see? Because I believe God would say to us clearly this afternoon, as he's been saying to us as a wider New Life Church family, This he brought to us a prophetic word out of Isaiah a couple of years ago in our wider church family, these words, and if you turn with me, it's to in Isaiah 43, Picking up on verse 18 through to 20, and it'll be on the screen if you um, can't find it on your device. Where God said, for, where, where the prophet Isaiah says, "'Forget the former things, for I'm, do not dwell on the past, for see, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals will honour me, the jackals, the owls.' Because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen ones. And then twenty years ago, I found myself speaking at a a conference in Minneapolis. In, In in those days I used to travel quite a lot, speaking in different places. In fact, if you ask Kathy, she'd tell you I was more away from home than I was at home doing great things in the name of Jesus, yes. But I remember this day particularly, um, I was about to speak at a conference in Minneapolis and God woke me up in the early days of the morning and spoke audibly to me. That's never ever happened in my life, never before and never since. But it was an audible word from God. Now some of you already shut off because I said that. Don't, just be open to it, just be open to it. But the words that God breathed into my heart and said clearly to me that morning was Bruce the plans that you have for yourself are not my plans I want you to go back to your nation, meaning Australia because it was in the US at the time and plant a different way of being church and I started crying and then he gave me the words from Jeremiah which we're about to read Jeremiah 20 9, which goes on and talks about, I've got plans for you, Bruce. not to harm you, not to prosper you. And we'll read it together. Let's read it and then let's frame it around what God might be saying to us. So let's pick up in Jeremiah 29, verse 4: The Lord the all-powerful, the God of Israel, has said, I've sent you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, and I want you to build houses and live in them. I want you to plant gardens and eat what they produce. I want you to take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city. Where I have sent you into exile, pray for peace in Babylonia and work hard to make it prosperous. The more successful that nation is, the better off you will be Some of your people there in Babylon are fortune tellers... ...and have asked you to tell them what will happen in the future... ...but they'll only lead you astray. Important word. And don't let the prophets fool you either. They speak in my name, but they're only liars. I've not spoken to them. And after Babylonia has been the strongest nation for 70 years... ...I will bless you. You will be kind and you'll be brought back to Jerusalem... ...just as I've promised... And I'll bless you with a future filled with hope, a future of success, not of suffering. You'll turn back to me and ask for help, and I will answer your prayers, and you will worship me with all your heart, and I'll be with you and accept your worship. Now, God didn't reveal to me that bit about 70 years, all right, so just don't take that literally. But you got the focus around, Bruce, your plans aren't my plans. I want you to go back to your nation and plant a different way of being church. That you might be a blessing. That people might prosper. My plan is not to harm you, but it's to bless you. I had a bit of a revelation recently, I don't know if you know, but there are actually things called warning labels on things that you buy. Did you know that? You probably did know that. I'm one of these people, when I buy something, I throw away the instructions because I'm an experiential learner and I just like to think that I can solve anything, all right? And it's a rare moment, but there have been a few where I'll actually need to haul out of the bin the instructions, and IKEA furniture is one of those, Um, not that you can always read them that well, in order to actually work out what you do next. But in the main, I'm happy to tell you that generally I don't read it. And what I didn't know, because I don't read instructions, is that items come with warning labels. Now, this is a bit of a revelation for me, so I decided to do a bit of research around this. And let me just give you... And these are true examples. I didn't make this up to make you laugh, all right? This is... um, Hand on the Bible. This is absolutely truth from labels, all right? Right there, you didn't need to know that, but let me just tell you that. On a box of birthday candles, it says, do not use soft wax as earplugs or any other function that involves insertion in the body. Go figure. I never thought of using wax like that, but anyway. <laughs> On a hairdryer, it says, never use this product while sleeping. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I have never thought about hair... Well, I don't really need to use a hairdryer, do I? But anyway, you get my drift. On a wheelbarrow, this one really cracked me up are not intended for highway use. (laughs) I've never tried my wheelbarrow out in the highway, but it looks like you're not supposed to. On an iron, it says, never iron clothes while they're being worn. And on a baby stroller, this one really... um, I didn't think this was possible, but someone told me another time when I used this illustration that they've done this before. On the baby stroller, it says, remove child before folding. And it wasn't May Lee, all right. So just please don't don't be hard on melee. And on this this is the final one. This one really hurts. On electric router that you use in the workshop, all right. Warning: This product is not in, intended to be used as a dental drill. Now you're going to sit on that. That hurts, doesn't it? When you start to think about that. But here's my reflection around that. I reckon we've got in a society where we are so driven about being risk-adversed, it affects everything that we do, including, I'm going to say, our faith. We have so many warning labels around everything, that the very place of appointment or the place that God might be calling you to be right now, even in your workplace, whatever that looks like, Maybe the thing that is holding you back is that you've done a risk assessment and it doesn't come up looking really that flash. But think about it. If you did a risk assessment on a crucifixion for your own son, I I don't think God would be able to take the next step. But... We might just laugh that away, but I'm wondering how seriously this is like the monkey on our back or the thing on our shoulder that pre- present, you know, prevents us from really standing in that place that God would have us be right now. Paul Cahillo, and we've seen this quote used more recently in one of the insurance ads, said these words. He said, the ship's safest when it's in the port, but that's not what ships were made for. And who said Christianity, following God, was meant to be safe? When I read the Old Testament scriptures and then I read the New Testament scriptures, it wasn't exactly a safe environment that they were following the presence of God around. And even God's very people, including his own son, were not exactly adverse from risk, were they? But it's in the midst of this that I'm wondering how many of you are missing that very place of God's appointment, not only because of the risk, but you've taken a risk and you've hurt before. You've been hurt before. Even the very systems of the, even the church, even people that you trusted and respected, maybe they've let you down, and this is limiting you responding with obedience to where God might be taking you next. And if there's one word that I believe God wants to take and speak over us here this afternoon, is that he wants us to, to bring those burdens, those things that we're carrying right now, feel like the monkeys that are sitting on your back, words that have been uttered over you, things that you might have even said about yourself or about others' people. I believe he wants to take that from us because unless we can wrestle with that to think about what it might mean to bless the city, we're going to constantly be held back. From the very place of appointment where God wants us to be. So I don't know if that's you, but remember we we began by saying it's not supposed to be like that, or be like this. Maybe that's because of what you're carrying, what you've carried in here this afternoon, as we've worshipped together. And believe that, that that God wants you to lay that down before Him. I believe this afternoon is a time where he wants to release you from some of that because that's what it will mean to really bless, to step into that blessing where this city will prosper and we will prosper also. And once again, those words from Isaiah do not dwell on the past. For I'm seeing I'm doing a new thing, says God to us if you like, we can say clearly that God is the one who makes way. And I believe that that God is the way maker and wants to make way with us this afternoon. And this leads me to the Jeremiah reading that... I want to spend the rest of our time together unpacking because in the essence of this reading, we will find what it means to take heart for a city and to be blessed in that way. As God would make way with us, what does that truly mean? I want to put this reading in context for a minute. There's a bit of commentary around, among some of the commentators, around what period this actually writing sits with Jeremiah but most would land on that it's certainly in the latter part of of, about 590 BC. And what we see happening during that period of time is that people of Judea have found themselves dislocated and relocated in a strange land in Babylon. Now. Their king, King Jehoiakim at the time, had this, this deal with Nebuchadnezzar, who was the, the ruling power at the time. They had this deal that if they paid a little bit of dividend and a bit of things in, up, up front, they would be left to do their own thing. But the payday came forward, and 10,000 of them found themselves in a strange place. But it wasn't all of them. In fact, there was a second. Exodus that happened a little bit later on, we find 10 years later, although people hadn't listened to what God was saying them through this word, the rest of of the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed and the rest of them were relocated in Jerusalem. And so the context in which we find these words of Jeremiah is probably somewhere between those two periods, between the first relocation of 10,000 people. Jeremiah's still back in Judea, and he's writing from that, and he's writing into the situation. And Remember, he's talking to a mob that didn't um, go to the local flight centre and make a booking to have a holiday in Babylon. That was not what had happened. Through no choice of their own, they found themselves in a really unfamiliar place if you like, it's not supposed to be like this, God. Maybe that's you right now. You're sitting in that space where it's unfamiliar and the very people that persecute you, this word that we're about to read says to bless them. This is a powerful reframing. It's a, it, it, it's a very powerful rewiring. And it it... it it would be very easy for us to think that as they did and we read into it, they thought that it might just be a temporary thing and one day it would pass over. And I'm reminded of some words from a book that I read by uh, Mark Buchanan. Uh, The the name of the book was titled The Cult of the the Next Thing. And what he said were these words. He says, the risk when we find ourselves in a transitional moment or a place of, of, of being temporary... Like being an interim pastor, Calvin, maybe. But the risk that we place when we label our experiences only being temporary is that we could run in the trap of failing to develop meaningful relationships. Now, this is where it doesn't pay to use this illustration for Calvin, quite the opposite, we know. We avoid getting involved, Buchanan would say, we never put down our roots, and before long, life becomes a fast-paced series of temporary situations that all too often lack meaning and purpose in themselves. And I'm wondering if the climate that we've been in over the last 18 months through this lockdown period, lockdown, lockdown, you know, around and around, all the things that are very familiar to us. Some of us for a while got sold a line, we thought it was just going to be temporary and it'll all be lifted. And then guess what? last week we couldn't meet. And the risk that we, we all face together is we back off this plan about what it really means to invest in this city and take a heart for it because we're, we're locked into this temporary situation that we're in. And maybe your life's like that at the moment. It's one a transition, you're not quite sure where it's going. Maybe you're at uni at the moment, but... Um, that hasn't quite worked out the way you thought it would be, and the risk at the moment is that you find yourself in a place where you just take up temporary residency, as if it will all blow away. I want you to, to pose that same question I asked you before and, and raise it again. Take a good look outside your window. What do you see? What do you see? We might not see it, but what do you see? As you pray to the Father about where you're at in your life right now and what's, what's before you and what you've come from and all the experiences that are just festering up, whatever they might be, what does he really see in your life right now? What does he really see? Maybe some of you have got really settled where you are. The comfort is pretty good. It's not a bad aspect from the way you look at it. Life's sipping past and actually it's not too bad working from home. There's a few great things about this. Maybe comfort is getting in the road of where God would have you be right now. And maybe some of you have been sold a lie and you've been tricked by false prophets to say that if you press into this even harder and you really, really achieve X, whatever that might be, and I'm not talking about excellence here, please, this is not talking about excellence, but if you accumulate stuff or you get all sorts of accolades, maybe the lie you've been sold is that that will give you life, life in all its fullness. And the harsh reality is, it doesn't. Patrick Pinnell um, offers this really powerful framing. It's actually not by Patrick Pinnell, but he quotes it from an unknown source in a book that I read by him. And you can pull this quote up pretty easily if you just remember the first few words. Our first, he says, our first task in approaching another people, another culture, or another religion, is to take off our shoes. For well, the place we're approaching is holy, and else we might find ourselves treading on another's dream. And more seriously still, we might forget that God was there before us. And I'm wondering if you've been sold that lie that you don't, you firmly don't believe that God is there before you. God is in this already. He's ahead of you. He's in this game. He's the waymaker. So I want to finish by landing. Um, four things with you. And the first one is really obvious as we turn to this scripture in Jeremiah 29. The first thing that I want to uh, frame for you is let's get a reality check, folks. We're not in Jerusalem any longer. Now, I know we, we all didn't live in Jerusalem before, but equate that to what your Jerusalem was. Often we hear about, well, when things get back to normal, guess what, folks? It's never going to be back to normal. So whatever you're putting off, or whatever you're avoiding, or whatever you're carrying on your back that's limiting you, the reality is we will never be in Jerusalem again. But that doesn't mean that God's not in this. It doesn't mean that the very place that you detest And even those that you feel like are persecuting you right now is not God's plan for you. And it's with that that we read the second thing that I believe is framed in this text that that we read from Jeremiah 29. And I just want to read out from verse 5. He says, Now I tell you to settle there, To build houses, to plant gardens, eat what you grow in them, get married and have children, help your sons find wives and help your daughters find husbands so that they can have children as well. I want your numbers to grow, not get smaller. And what I believe God would want us to hear this afternoon, the plea from his heart is whatever situation you find yourself in right now, you need to put your roots down deep. And when you think about the framing about getting married, planting gardens and so on, we could say playing house or whatever it might be, they're not words of a temporary situation, are they? So when you look outside that window, I want you to start to picture and to name either the people or the place that God would position you right now and his word to you this afternoon is to put your roots down deep. Put them down deep. What do you see? What do you know? What do you need to cultivate? I'm a bit of a gardener. I love gardening. My gardening's really flourishing at the moment. But I know that behind that garden, flourishing right now, is about two years worth of hard labor to get us there. In order for those roots to penetrate deep, we've basically literally had to lift 15 cubic metres of soil out by shovel because of the aspect and so on. And this is not Bruce bragging for a moment. You'd think I'd look a lot more ripping as a result of what I'm about to share with you. But anyway, we literally had to lift 15-odd metres of rock, soil, roots and all sorts of things that were absolutely corrupting the front of our place and drag in new soil in order that the gardens might flourish. I'm wondering if you put yourself in the place of where God's appointed you right now, even though you're kicking and screaming, detesting it and praying against it, the very people that are persecuting you, God wants you to take heart for and involves you putting your roots down deep and getting to know them incredibly well. What have you been avoiding? What have you been running away from? Who are those people that get in your face and maybe, just maybe, God would want you to put your roots down deep. This is what it means to bless the city. That you would take time to get to know the very neighbourhood that you're in. And one of the things that I learned, if you can come back to my story with the word, the testimony that God gave me was, I've been flicking around the world speaking in his name, but I didn't even know the very street that I lived in. I didn't know the people over the road by name. I didn't know the context in which they lived in or worked in, or whether they had work or not. I knew they had four sons because I used to play with my four sons out on the street. In fact, we had a whole cul-de-sac full of boys that used to congregate and and, um, do all sorts of things in our hood. But I didn't really know the circumstances of my neighbourhood. And what God gave to me, this word of invitation and challenge to get to know my neighbourhood well. I remember sitting with a pastor um, because at the time we were sort of planning local house churches and doing all sorts of things around our neighbourhood and we were sitting in a cafe together and we used to do our daily devotions together in a cafe and the cafe owner came up to us and said, what are you guys up to us? Um, Because he'd noticed... That we had a rhythm about doing this every day and, and finally to cut a long story short he said can I do that with you and to cut a long story short he came to Christ in the midst of that his life is turned upside down but it it started with us getting to know the people that were in our hood our neighbourhood and blessing the city is actually starts with you and your own home the third thing that really 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 want you to get a really deep clarity around this afternoon is the words of of seeking the welfare of the city or blessing the city where I've sent you in exile and pray on the lord's behalf and it goes on further then, to seek shalom over the city. And I don't know if you know what the word shalom means, but in the Hebrew understanding, it means to be safe in body, in mind, in spirit, to, to take total estate, if you like, over your life, if you like the well-being of the city, of the place. Look after someone's well-being. And it's in that space that I have to ask the question of you this afternoon, what is good news about you? What is there to bless from you, for those around you? I had to ask that in my neighborhood. What is good news about you, Bruce? All they get to see is the back end of your car driving out the street and coming home at, 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 at late hours at night and in and out, what is good news about you? And maybe that's the question God invites us to think about this afternoon. One of the people that really has spoken into my world, and look, I could run a series just over this alone, but there's a guy called um, Ed Savolso, an Argentinian evangelist. And I think he's one of the thought leaders, one of the most pertinent minds in what it really means to be party to, being anointed for business, to seeing the marketplace as a very place of transformation that would see cities transformed and changed from it. And Silvoso, um, evangelist that he is, spoke into my world in a book that um, he wrote called Anointed for Business, but you can apply this around transformation of cities. And his point is that it starts in your own home. And he's got these three principles that I want to share with you. And the first one is this, He talks about his understanding of ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church. And I don't think we really do it justice, but he says, you need to realise that you are all church. We've dumbed down to church being the thing that we do on Sunday afternoons here in Brisbane. But the church is about people. God's chosen people. God's people who are called to assemble as God's chosen ones. And this needs to start in your own home. Kathy and I, um, three years ago, we bought a property where we're living now in, in uh, Burpengary, Burpengary Meadows, if you want the real correct name. It sounds a bit more, it's worth a million dollars if you say that, but it's not really. There's a lot less than that, because uh, the old Burps has a, its own title, and it's not so popular or familiar or something to s- excite about. But w- we bought acreage, but the deal was And this is what we believe God gave us, was we were looking for something that would be a sanctuary where we could bless people. I don't know if you've thought, but I'm going to challenge you to go home if you've never done this before. But I want to challenge you this afternoon to go home and to open the front door of your house and pray that God would bring his blessing on your household. I want you to pray that God would put an anointing over your doorway, over every door and every mark. And you might want to use oil for that as a sign and a seal. Because it's my hope, and this is what um, Silvoso taught me, is that when we pray into this and we really believe it, and guess what? You can do this in your workplace as well. It's not just located your home. If we pray into that, God's presence would absolutely fall on the place... I don't know a better way to actually bless the city. So dedicate your home, your workplace, as God's ecclesia, as you the church. It starts in your own house. That every part of what people might experience in your place would be marker points of God's presence. And the third thing that Silvoso talks about is being called, we must actually adopt and commit your neighbourhood in prayer. Now, this is a really powerful thing. He actually says 10. You need to actually identify 10 people, maybe five on your left and five on your right. And then your task then is, as God would reveal their names and the people and the faces in your heart, then you need to pray into it. You can start this in your workplace. You can start this in your very street, in your neighbourhood. I'm a little bit chuffed to say that I actually know the names of my neighbours in my street. Not all of it, but I've taken the time actually to to get to know who they are. But there's a long way to go there yet. Sometimes it looks a little bit like... Well, one of my neighbours has just been through a really difficult relationship and it's falling apart, so when I'm on the rider mower out the front, I might as well just keep mowing the strip and mow that person's yard because I know at the moment they're not in a great place to do that. I think that's a blessing. And then my neighbour on the other side that, mm, yeah, well, life for him is, is just all about living, really. Um, and everything's a... A dream and so on and yeah but but what I've got to know about him is that he's been bullied at work and he's really struggled in his workplace so much so it's done him in in his own mental health and his own place so much so that it's 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 just ripping him apart in terms of identity and relationship and so why don't I just keep the mower going a little bit further up the road because that might be a blessing to him also. What else could this look like? What if, what if, what if the local builder or property developer saw their business as being that very place of God's appointment? Claimed the presence of God over it, as we've just spoken about, marked it out in that way, so that every deal, every staff member, every tradie that comes into that site, every house that they build might be a blessing to someone else. That the presence of God would be would fall upon that place. So here's my final point, and I am touching this down now, if you're wondering. The final point is we need to have confidence in God's plan. And it requires us, and we invite the worship team to come up and join me, but it requires us to centre ourselves in an act of Worship. And I hope because of this afternoon and what you've just heard, worship might be a different place for us. Because when we have confidence in God's plan and we know that he is the way maker, whatever has been dealt, whatever cards have been dealt, whatever has been said over us, then we need to have a confidence that God's got this. I believe that that God would want to have declaration over us this afternoon that, hey, whatever your name is, Bruce, in my case, Cal, Kate, Kath, whatever your name is, that God might be saying to you quite clearly, see, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. So can I invite you to just press in for a moment in the presence of God? I want you to take a really good look outside your window right now. Who's the names? Who are the faces? What is the very place of appointment that maybe you've been running away from so long that God would want you to lean into in his presence here this afternoon was the very territory that God would want you to bring the power of prayer into, name the names and pray with authority over the place that God would have his way You know, we've got elements of this already in our church, our prayer room is one of those places, it's one of those territories where we're leaning into as a church and declaiming this territory as God's territory in prayer. Some of you are coming on Wednesdays and joining into the city, whether you're there in person or whether you're not, there's been a focus around what it would really mean to bless this city. But what I want to suggest to you is that it's got to start in your own place right now. Where you're at with God, in the very place that God's called you to be, he would want to claim his territory over that also. And as you do that, I want to offer some words that were what Paul offered to the church in in Colossae as he wrote to his family, and I believe these are God's words for us this afternoon as he would write to you. So as you lean into this in prayer, can you hear these as words from the Lord to you? Friends, New Life family, I always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because I've heard that you are people of faith. Faith in Christ Jesus. And for this reason, I'll keep praying for you and ask that every single one of you will be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I pray that each one of you might live a a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work. And I pray that you might be made, made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And that you might know that he has rescued you from the power of darkness and has a special place for you in the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have forgiveness and new life. New Life um, family here this afternoon, I've got three burdens that God gave to me as I laid this before him and I believe that there are some of you that will have these burdens here this afternoon and God's invitation is for you to lay that before him. Some of you have been hurt before and you've retreated back to your own bubble but God wants to break open that bubble here this afternoon and give to you new life life to the fallen Him. some of you have still been sold the lie and you continue to believe it that you'll find identity in what you do but Jesus says to you clearly am I not enough for you period And some of you have been running from the very place that God's actually appointed you to, the very people that are in your hood or your neighbourhood or in the workplace that you currently find yourself in, and you've been behaving as if you're temporary residents. And God wants you to take you up camp, however long or short it's going to be. He says to you, this is your very place of appointment, and as they will be blessed, Blessed and flourish in that place, so you will be blessed and flourish also. So, what are you running from? So, let's pray. God, I pray that you would come and make way here this afternoon. Lord, it is our heart that we would see transformation of this city. It's our heart that we would see lives turned upside down and and things radically change because of you. Lord, we live in broken systems, broken places, broken lives that have been hurt and some of them have hurt and touched us in ways that we still struggle with. But here this afternoon, God, I pray that we would find healing and wholeness in you. And Lord, that very place of appointment that others have been running away from, Lord, I pray that as we look outside that window, we would find hope and presence in you. Lord, we want to see transformation of this city. But it starts by cleaning our roots down deep and praying for blessing. Even those who get on our face and hurt us, pray that they might be blessed. Pray for their welfare. Pray for their well-being that can only come from you. And in that, God, you promise us that we'll be blessed also. Amen. Folks, as we, um, as we respond with music, and before we come to the close of our service, we've been doing something really special as part of this this series. And we've, we've sought to think in some of the different domains and the spheres of influence that we get to have in our workplace. And this afternoon, we just wanna honor some of you, and the area that we wanna honor you in is this um, is what I'm about to put on the screen. I want to speak into you and if you You know if you want to take the risk and stand up and say that's me Can I invite you to do that because we would like to reach out and just bless you and honor you in the place that God's called you to be So some of you might find yourself in the not-for-profit sector. Would you please stand if that's a Community organization maybe that you're a part of Some of you work in the social sector and your whole focus is around serving others you please stand some of you have taken the big bold risk and put your name forward and you've stood in in government circles maybe as politicians or you work for the government maybe it's in local state or federal settings that's an incredible sphere of influence would you stand some of you have have really stood into a space around um, law and order within our society and what is right and what is wrong and so you find yourself in that place so if you work in the legal profession do that and others are serving our country and our defense forces wherever that might be or whatever that might be or maybe if you've got someone in your family who serves in that way and you want to represent them then please stand and more locally I know there are some of you that serve in some of our civil services so things like our, our, our local police Um, emergency services fire brigade paramedics the list goes on you know who you are invite you to stand we want to honor you but in that God says as you flourish and if you as as you lean in the names and the places of the people that he'll give you places of appointment to be in you're going to be blessed also so let's pray God, I thank you for these women and men. Sometimes through no choice of their own, find themselves in these places of serving. And Lord, we want to bless them. We know that, 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 that as you bless the spaces that you call them to be right now, they'll be blessed also. Lord, we thank you for their, their hearts of wanting to serve and see people's lives transformed through the work that they do. And God, I pray that you would give a real renewed sense of calling and purpose in their life, not because of what they do, but who you have called them to be, where their identity sits in you, Jesus. Lord, this is our heart purpose here this afternoon. We want to honour and give you all thanks and glory. Amen. We're going to um, sing, I think, together. And uh, as we do that, can I invite you, if, if, if God's really touched you and you'd like further prayer, then come and join us on the side for prayer. And then Alex is going to come and bring us a final blessing as we leave here this place. So thanks, folks. Be that very place of appointment that God's calling you as you would be a blessing to others in this city.